0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Animation Fascination episode. Uh, this is a AF News edition. So today I am joined with me again by guest host so, Stanford Clark. Hi, everyone. And just in case you guys haven't heard these episodes before, uh, this podcast focuses on the entire world of animation. Each news episode, we feature all the latest news from around the animation industry, Whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion if it's animated, it's up for discussion with us. So stay tuned and we'll be back in a few seconds with the new releases for the week. and we're back with our new releases for the week. We're going to talk about the Lego Movie First that just came out in theaters this past weekend, uh, which apparently a ton of people saw. It's doing very well on on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, Last 95. Checked, yeah, it, it's gone down a little bit. It started at, at 100, went down 99, 98, 97, 96. Now it's on 95, which is still very good. Amazing. Yeah, but... Some people, I guess, don't like all the fun that comes from that movie, apparently. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's right. We will not have fun at the
0: movies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's getting glowing reviews from everybody from our our own Jessica Worski included, which we'll talk about her review later in the show, too. But uh, we had a few people send us their reviews, as uh, Justin also sent us in uh, a recorded review that he did, too. So we'll include that coming up right here
2: this is
3: justin vector and my thoughts on the lego movie are as follows i enjoyed it overall i didn't enjoy it to the extent that i'm seeing everyone else i'm seeing people loving it saying it's the greatest movie ever one of the best animated movies of all time one of the best this and that I wouldn't go that far. I Like I said, I had a great deal of fun with it. I enjoyed it. The animation was spectacular. I really enjoyed seeing how they made it made you feel like these were Legos come to life. And anyone who enjoyed Legos as a kid, I'm sure, has a good uh, nostalgic memories for this and has some good times and will have some good times at the movie. Uh, but I just didn't think it was the, the most amazing movie of all time. The storyline was really interesting to see how they blended that in with type of a, a real life story and a justification for why these Legos are moving around and moving between the worlds. The master builders and everything, I really enjoyed. All of the different properties, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Batman, DC Comics, all of those were enjoyable, and the 21 Jump Street voice cast reunion was kind of fun to see. All those actors that worked on 21 Jump Street and the same directors, that was a lot of fun. The thing that actually really stood out to me the most, uh, besides some great animation, like I said, and some nice voice acting, was the idea of creativity. And the, I guess, the old style of Lego where you just built whatever. You, you just got a bunch of blocks and you just built whatever your heart desires, or whatever your mind could create. Versus the current stage of you buy a set, you follow the instructions, you build it, and then you put it on your shelf and you're done. And I know our wonderful host, host, Mr. Mark Vibbert, can relate to that. Is that a bad way of going about it? Is that the wrong way of going about it? Because it does stifle creativity to a certain extent. Because you're just building what they're telling you to build. And then, yeah, it's it's cool to look at. So... Those kind of questions are kind of interesting for me. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to it. But just asking the question is very interesting. Is it bad for kids to do that? Where they just build by the numbers, paint by numbers? Or do we want to encourage them to be creative? Like I said, I don't know if there's a wrong or right answer. But just asking the question was really interesting to me. Um, So that was the thing that I took away from it the most. That was the most interesting thing to me was... How it asks those questions of, should you use the instructions or should you just, you know... it, It seems like the movie was leaning towards, it's better to be creative and better to make your own thing rather than just, you know, mindlessly following the instructions. So, very interesting stuff. The Lego movie was an enjoyable time and... I can't wait to hear how much Mr. Mark Vibbert loved the movie. Tell us, Mark. All right, so that
0: was Justin's review of the movie. Uh, He wants to to get my thoughts, but first uh, we're going to read off some of the the tweets you guys sent us talking about what you thought about the movie. Uh, The first one comes from Indigo C, who is at Agent underscore Indigo on Twitter, who said... They enjoyed it. Lots of eye candy, laughs, and I think a moral of some sort was thrown into the mix. <laughs> um, there's the Blogger from at Pixar Corner who said it was gorgeously animated, phenomenal casting, characters, brilliant writing. And it's all topped off with a great message. Uh, then there's Allison uh, Donato at Ali Scotch who ac- actually works for Real Effects who uh, did just did Freebirds. Did Freebirds. And she said. That it was awesome. She was still trying to figure out how they got everything so right when it could have easily been generic junk. And then Ben Orsos, uh, who's at Ben Orsos36 on Twitter, said, Lego movie was incredible. Animation, voices, story, message, everything was awesome. Winky emoticon, four and a half out of five. So, yeah, everybody loved the movie. I, I really enjoyed it myself as well. Uh, my son enjoyed it immensely. Uh, my my wife enjoyed it too, <laughs> even though she said she she thought it was aimed more at kids. But I think it, was, it had a, a like a pretty universal kind of appeal to it that kids could watch it, but um, like adults can watch it as well without their kids. And I mean, I just I enjoyed like everyone else is saying the story. The animation is is really well done too. It's a mixture of uh, stop motion. CG animation and then there's like even a little bit there's even a few times where there's uh, just shots of like actual like Lego sets that have been inserted into the films as well uh, and I just really enjoyed it I I liked the message that it had too uh, spoiler alert here uh, so skip ahead about a minute if you don't want to be spoiled on the movie uh, Stanford I don't know if you want too.
1: That's right, because I haven't had a chance to see it yet. So, yeah, should I tune out and then you can tell me when to get back on?
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, so I'm just going to very briefly say something about a character in it that I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, uh, when they reveal that uh, President Business it, old Lord Business is uh, supposed to be representative of the little boy in the real world that is, is playing with all these Legos who uh, his father is also played Will Ferrell who does the voice of President Business. Uh, he comes down and he's, he he wants to use the craggle the AK the Crazy Glue to make everything permanent and kind of keep everything in order. I was like, oh man, I felt really bad because I, I was like, oh cool that's me, I'm super OCD about uh, my son's logos, too, so I, it made me feel like I definitely have to learn to be more like the message that he learned by the end of the film. But yeah, so end spoiler alert.
1: I just plugged my ears in, like, la, la 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 la, so I didn't hear anything, okay. Mark. So we're good.
0: Yeah, but yeah, so uh, I enjoy that the film kind of uh, pushes, uh, like, having creativity rather than, because I, I guess that they kind of say there could be a danger of just going with the instructions that comes with everything and the kid's not using their imagination like maybe they used to with like the old Legos that came out, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad that there's a sequel in the works.
1: Which we'll be talking about here yeah. too. I thought I was going to sneeze.
0: Yeah, so pardon that, too, for my voice. And if you hear a random sniffle here or there, I have either allergies or a cold. I'm not quite sure what's going on. But, yeah, so that is the Lego movie. Hopefully you saw it. I'm pretty sure a lot of you have seen it at this point. Sanford's going to go see it this week. Uh, But, yeah, and then we wanted to make a correction from last week. I did put in a little correction at the beginning of last week's episode that the Jungle Book is actually coming out this week on February 11th, not last week on the 4th. So uh, yeah, definitely pick that up tomorrow.
1: Mark, I was just so excited for the movie oh, yeah. to come out that I, you know, <laughs> I was wishing it was a week earlier than it actually was. And then so, uh, and... I guess
0: I was just thrown off by, by getting it early. So. Right. But yeah, so definitely check that out on February 11th when that comes out. So by the time this episode comes out, it'll have come out yesterday. Timey wimey.
1: On. Um, um, Mark, I have the privilege yeah, of interviewing uh, Floyd Norman, who, uh, who is an animation legend, as many of you know, who worked for uh, Disney Animation for a lot of years and, and and is very involved in the animation community. He's involved online, too. He does a lot of social media with Facebook, and he's got a blog, etc. But he worked on... Uh, he was on the story team for The Jungle Book, and so I got to talk with him today. Or the phone during um, a press junket that Disney was doing for the Jungle Book release, and we'll we'll uh, have it on a future podcast. But it was fascinating, Mark. Uh, I mean, number one, what an honor it was to to talk with him, and he's such a he was such a gentleman and such a class act. You know, it was, it was so uh, so impressed with with uh, with him, just you know, as a, as a person, and mm-hmm. as well as all of his accomplishments. And he had a lot of interesting stories to tell about the Jungle Book. So I'm excited for you all to hear to hear this interview. Definitely.
0: And I'll, I'll actually put it in, in this episode.
1: Oh, awesome. So,
0: yeah, okay. So, so stay tuned because here it is, guys.
1: Hello. It's very nice to talk with you. In fact, it's, it's an honor, Floyd. I, I'm a big fan of yours. I've heard you speak a few times. As, um, D23.
2: Really? What? Oh, Some, the old D23. Yeah. D23. Yeah.
1: And... Uh also I uh, follow you on Facebook and and <laughs> see that you're in New York City today. <laughs>
2: it's cold. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> first time, first time ever. Oh really? Yeah, it's very exciting.
1: Oh that's fantastic.
2: Very, very, yeah, very cold and very exciting. So yeah, it's 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 good to be in New York.
1: Well, thank you so much for your time. It really is an honor to sure. speak with you. Uh we're we're excited about the uh, release of the Jungle Book on Blu-ray. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite movies, Floyd, from, from from my childhood. A lot of
2: people, yeah, a lot of people tell me that it's amazing the the life this film has had.
1: Could you tell us, Floyd, about? Uh, I was I was, was interested to know the fact that that
2: uh, Walt completely replaced the story team, and you felt you were just in the right place at the right time. Uh, Would you tell us a little bit about that experience for you? Oh, I I sure can. Uh, Do keep in mind that uh, Bill Peet had already been developing the Jungle Book as a motion picture for at least a year before we ever even touched the film. As a matter of fact, Bill was doing his usual solo act. He liked to uh, develop the film himself. Uh, Usually at Disney, they had a story team work on these feature films. Six to a dozen guys might be involved in a film. But Bill liked to work alone. And he started this, I believe, on 101 Dalmatians where he adapted the book, wrote the screenplay, and storyboarded the movie pretty much by himself. And he followed through on the next film, Sword in the Stone, much the same way. So naturally, when it came around to the Jungle Book, Bill did the uh, the adaptation and he did started doing the storyboards. But only this time around, there was a problem. And the problem was Walt Disney did not like Bill's take on the story, thought it was too dark, too mysterious, too uh, depressing. And uh, he and Bill got into an argument, and Bill left the movie.
1: Interesting. And so literally, was it the next day or was the day after
2: that you brought <laughs> in? That yeah, it, 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 yeah, it was pretty quick. Yeah, it was pretty quick because the film – had a uh, release date of 1967 so uh they didn't have a lot of time to uh Walt wanted to get the uh, picture retooled and he wanted it to happen fast because there was a lot to do and so he had to put together a new story team and do so quickly and at that time a lot of the old story guys had retired from Disney Those who hadn't retired had gone over to Disney Imagineering. So there were very few story guys around, and so that's how I got recruited for story. Uh, I had never done it before. I was being called in to do my first feature film as a story artist. Uh, It was going to be a first time for me. Some of the other guys had done it once before, but for me it was a first. So I found myself uh, suddenly thrown onto a film that had to be retooled and to be retooled quickly immediately so, <laughs> yes yeah immediately so we had to uh hit the ground running to make the changes and satisfy Walt so we could get this movie back into production
1: so how many people were on this revamped team and what was your what was your kind of day-to-day work like as you were as you were revamping the story
2: well, you'll notice on the on the Jungle Book screen credits, you'll see the name Ralph Wright, Ken Anderson, Larry Clemens, and uh, Vance Gary. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason for credits, the way credits worked in those days, is that sometimes guys had done an earlier treatment on the film that wasn't used, but they would get a credit regardless. So. The guys who really did the work on the film really didn't get a screen credit. Now, I know it sounds ironic, but that's the way things worked in the old days. Credits were not the way they are today. So guys like Al Wilson and Dick Lucas and Eric Kleeworth and myself never even got a screen credit on The Jungle Book, even though we had to do the lion's share of revamping the story. But that's the way it goes, you know. That's just Mm -hmm. just the way things worked in those days. And and we worked in teams of two. Uh, Generally, the the story teams would be two guys would have an office to themselves. Uh, Dick and uh, and Eric worked across the hall from us in a large story room. I worked with Vance Gary in a large room on the other side of the wing. Were you uh, on the
1: third floor, Floyd, of the animation building?
2: No, on the second floor. The second second floor. floor. The the directors usually had their units on the second floor of the animation building. Okay. And uh, each unit, you know, uh, A-Wing was Ham Lusk, D-Wing was Ward Kimball, and C-Wing was Wooly Reiterman. And, uh, you know, as you go down the hallway, you've got all these uh, directorial units. And the directors usually had their own team, and these teams would work with the director, you know, on projects, to, you know, from project to project. So that's how it worked in those days. So I was with Wooly on Wooly's team, and, of course, all the story guys were in C-Wing in his unit. Uh, what were, uh, Do you have a, a favorite antidote or a favorite
1: story from the development of, of the jungle book, Floyd, that you'd like to share with our, with our readers?
2: Well, mainly that it was kind of like a, a, a scary situation for a young kid to be thrown into.
1: Oh yeah. Even
2: mine. Uh, This was unusual for me because the story department was the only department that would actually be in meetings with Walt Disney. This would never happen if you were in animation. It would rarely happen if you were in layout or background. Walt just didn't pay much attention to those groups because he knew that these guys were the best in the business, they knew what they were doing, and they didn't need a lot of supervision. However, story was an exception. If you were in the story department, that means that you would be in meetings with Walt Disney, and you would be spending a fair amount of time with him because that's where he would focus all of his attention.
1: So, were you, were you meeting with him regularly then, with with the rest of the team, or
2: would you rotate? Oh yeah, yeah, with with the entire team. The entire okay. team would meet would meet with Walt uh, as as often as we could get him. Now, keep in mind, it was uh, he was a very busy man. He was being pulled in many directions. So, just getting a meeting with Walt was often difficult. Mm-hmm. But, but when we did, when we did, we would meet with him and the entire team. That is the entire story team, and the director, Wolfgang Reitherman, would would meet with Walt, and he would go over the storyboards and tell us how he felt things were going, if we were moving in the right direction, and let us know if he was satisfied or not satisfied. So, uh, you know, that was the process. And there were things that Walt didn't like. We we had one particular sequence that involved a, uh, a wacky rhinoceros that Walt didn't think was funny. And uh, he said it wasn't funny when it was on the storyboards. Well, the guys uh, must have liked this sequence because they wouldn't give it up. And they've, they took the sequence to reels. That is, they put it on reels, added the voice with the voice track, and played it on the screen well, Walt looked at it on the screen and he says, "I told you guys this wasn't funny on the boards. It's not funny on sh- on screen. I want that rhinoceros out of the movie, and so that's why Rocky the Rhino does not appear in the Jungle Book. He doesn't
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, w- Walt, Walt gave the final word on everything. Okay. Yeah. And was it the final word flight on
1: uh, just? W- from storyboards, or would he also would you would you do some
2: some more uh, animation before you get his final approval? What what was his you know how, where yeah, would the bus well, stop? <laughs> well, as as I said, uh, once things left story, once story had Walt's approval, it was pretty much home free. Okay. Uh, Walt Walt would rarely interfere after that, maybe just a look at it, but he was uh, he had already given his approval. Keep in mind that a storyboard, uh, a sequence on a film, does not go into production until Walt had approved it. If he hadn't approved it, it's not going to go into production. If he did approve it, that meant it was okay to go into animation, and that meant Walt was going to be happy with what he saw. Because keep in mind, animation is, is a very costly, uh, time-intensive process. You don't want to put anything in animation if you have doubt about it. Right. So that's why things did not move into animation until Walt was completely happy with it. So he might have a look at it in animation just to see how things were going, but he had pretty much made all the major decisions already. I I,
1: I thought it was interesting, Lloyd, and, and somewhat poignant that with The Jungle Book being the last film that Walt Disney was personally Involved mm-hmm. with, uh, yes. and also that his daughter Diane, the, I, we we've read about some of these special features. And I think you would highlighted some of this information on your blog. That
2: yes, we she did. She was involved we with did. some
1: interviews, and it's the last movie that she, you know, was filmed talking about
2: yeah. before yeah. her yeah. unfortunate
1: very, passing.
2: Very true. Very true. We photographed a uh, a Jungle Book uh, kind of like conversation uh late last summer we we were able to get Diane Disney Miller, Richard Sherman and myself to sit around and talk about what it was like uh for Walt to make The Jungle Book and to do his final film and to make and to make the film that he that he really loved and so it was ironic that that shortly after filming that last piece that we lost that that we lost Diane through this tragic accident so for me it it was it was a strange kind of thing to to have lost Walt after we completed the jungle book back in 1966 and then last year to lose Diane after having a conversation about her father's last film uh you know it that was that was a, a very sad thing in yes. both cases in both cases we never saw we never saw it coming we right. I, we did we did not anticipate Walt Disney's passing in 66 nor did i have any idea that we would lose diane last year so you know you just don't know yeah very very true uh thank you for sharing that do you have a a favorite passage or a
1: favorite uh segment in the jungle book that you're you're most proud of or 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 what's (laughs) favorite part of the film you love the most
2: Oh, I, I think uh, a favorite part of the film for me and for a lot of people, and even though it, it really it doesn't even feature Mowgli at all, but it's the marvelous conversation between Ka the Snake and Shere Khan the Tiger, uh, beautifully voiced by the, the actor uh, George Sanders. Yes. yes. Shere Khan is such a cunning, sophisticated, yet yet fearful villain. Mm-hmm. And yet he's just he's just fun to watch, you know, even though he's a bad guy, villains are often, you know, the ones we have the most fun with. So when I think about the film and I think about all of the great work done, I think that marvelous sequence with Ka and Shere Khan stand out as uh, as being one of one of the finest things uh you know, we worked on.
1: Well, it's it's such a wonderful
2: film. I, I again
1: I can't wait to get my copy on Blu ray uh, tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, I'm I'm glad, I'm glad
2: the the film has this sort of timeless quality that it's an old film, you know, good heavens. It's nearly 50 years old. And yet it, it plays today just as fresh and vibrant as, as it did when we made it. And when it was released back in 1967. So I guess there's something about it that works because people really seem to like it. And, uh, and, you know, I'm just delighted to have been a part of it. Well,
1: thank you for all you do for to uh, to keep the animation alive and, and for sharing so so graciously all your wonderful stories and experiences. We really appreciate it. Floyd, you're really a treasure to all of us. Thank you.
2: Well, well, thank you. Thank you. Well, we, we had fun doing it, and it's always fun to share.
1: <laughs> well, good luck in New York City. I hope
2: you continue to have a great trip. I hope you to catch a Broadway show or something yes, fun yes. Yeah. <laughs> while you're yeah. there well, too. It's great. it's great. No, it's great being here. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying it. Well, good. Well, thank you again for your time. It's really has been uh, a okay. pleasure and a privilege. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed talking with you.
1: Thank you. Good luck to you.
2: Okay. Thanks. thanks okay. A lot. Goodbye. So, bye bye.
0: So I hope you all enjoyed Stanford's interview with Floyd Norman. Uh, And it's definitely, I I can't wait to, to listen to it myself, but yeah. So the, the next thing we're going to be talking about, uh, aren't quite animation. Well, one is kind of half and half, but, uh, are such good shows that I just wanted to to share. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Sherlock series three comes out February 11th yesterday for you listening to it tomorrow for us recording it. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's one of BBC's best shows. I, I really enjoyed it. It just finished here in the U.S. like a week or so ago. Yeah. Yep. So it's kind of nice that we don't have to wait that long for the blu Because we have to usually wait two years now in between each season.
1: Between these seasons, yep. Yeah, uh,
0: this, one, this one only has three special features on it. There's shooting Sherlock, uh, which kind of goes in depth to one of the scenes from one of the episodes in season three. Uh, there's Fans, Villains, and Speculations, which is a bonus feature that goes into uh, kind of what went on with like fan theories of what happened in between season two and three with a certain development that happened at that very end of the second season. And then uh, kind of going with that same thing, there is a bonus feature called The Fall. So I don't I really want to spoil anything for people that haven't watched the show before, but all of those bonus features are, are pretty awesome. I was kind of upset they didn't do audio commentaries again, because they have have on the past uh, season one and season two Blu-ray sets.
1: had so, audio commentary.
0: Yeah, so uh, this one didn't, so that, that kind of stinks. But the the show looks looks amazing in HD on the, the Blu-ray as well, so I would definitely suggest picking that up. And oh, if you I haven't agree. watched it yet, the first two seasons are uh, Netflix and Netflix now too, streaming. So. Yeah. So
3: yeah,
1: definitely check that out. Really great stuff.
0: Uh, and the next one is doctor who the moon base, uh, from 1967. It is the second doctor who was played by Patrick Troughton. And what's was cool about these is that, uh, the BBC wasn't, you know, they didn't really, they weren't really hoarders, I guess, back in the, back in the day. Uh, they would basically record over past shows and, and erase ones they had worked on to, to do new ones. So a lot of episodes of like old shows that they did were lost because of that. Uh, fortunately with this, they were able to find audio from two of the four episodes that make up the Moonbase story. So So that you could watch all of it in its entirety. They actually animated episode one and episode three. Of that, so it's kind of cool to to see, to see it animated, but with the audio that they had had from those episodes, and I know I just thought it was it was really cool to see the style they did it, and it was it looks like it's like a flash based animation. Yeah,
1: it does, doesn't it? I've only just seen clips, and it yeah, right. looks flash based. Still, uh, it's, it's cool. Yeah, I
0: mean, it, it's very interesting that they've done that on a, a few of of the DVDs they've put out for like the classic Doctor Who series for. For like the same reasons of episodes that they couldn't find the actual video for, but there's audio commentary on the live-action episodes of the episodes two and four with actors from the show. Uh, there's commentaries for episodes one and three, uh, the animated episodes, interv- with featuring interviews with the the writer, uh, Kit Pedler's daughter Lucy Pedler and Carol Tepesky, and then there's archive. Interview with producer NS Lloyd. Um, and then there's, there's a Lunar Landing. There's a making of with the actors that were in, were in the episode. Which is pretty cool because they're talking about how uh, a few years later when we actually did Land on the Moon, like the one guy was saying that he felt he didn't need to watch. He's like, I've already been there. I got the t-shirt. <laughs> and, and he was proud of like how good the, the set they actually built for, uh, for Doctor Who actually looked compared to the the actual surface of the moon when we landed there in 1969. So I thought that was pretty cool bonus feature as well. And then there's a photo gallery, and then there's some PDF materials, which are like radio time, so listings, production notes. So, yeah, I would definitely, if, you, if you're a big Doctor Who fan, I would definitely suggest checking that out, which is kind of cool. It comes out on February 11th of this year. And then the first episode of it was actually originally transmitted on February 11th of 1967. So that's a cool coincidence. Kind of, yeah, I don't know if that's the reason they're releasing the the DVD tomorrow. Right. But yeah, I thought that was kind of was. A, a cool, almost like somewhat anniversary of the episode of the show. So yeah, that's those are our new releases for the week. We'll have a few more next week when we come back. Uh, so we'll be back in a few seconds with our main topic, which is a whole bunch of news this week. Back with our news for the week. I'm uh, gonna kind of start off on a, a somber tone so we can progressively, progressive. Yeah, going to start off on a somber tone so that we can progressively, you know, get happier throughout these news uh, for this week. But yeah, the the first one, Arthur Rankin Jr. passed away at 89 this past week or so. Uh, he worked on basically every famous. Christmas special that you can think of.
1: Yeah, it's true. All the stop motion stuff, uh, like Rudolph, uh, Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer, and its sequels, and Santa Claus is coming to town. Right, and its sequels. <laughs>
0: yeah. So basically, everything you watch every year on for on TV for Christmas specials that they play it every single year on TV since the first year that they were broadcast, which which that's. 1964 I yeah. believe
1: Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer came out which that's
0: uh, my mom's not going to like this but that's as that's, for as long as my mom has been alive it's been broadcast on TV
1: it's it really is something you know they uh in so Arthur Rankin Jr his business partner was Jules Bass yeah. so Rank, you see you know Rankin Bass uh, you know after all after all of those they also did not Frosty the Snowman which was in hand-drawn animation, uh, yeah. as well, and, and
0: uh, they did the the Mad uh, Monster Party too. All right, like the less known Halloween one that they did.
1: So he really uh, contributed uh, just to everybody's childhoods, and uh, as well as how people celebrate uh, the holidays, and and, and 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 as and I think also is probably a lot of. People's first exposure to stop motion animation. Definitely. I, so.
0: I, I think for me, yeah. And then, like, a lot of TV shows nowadays, like when they do Christmas specials, they kind of tend to do homages to those classic films that he did. Like, Community's done one like that. I remember back in the 90s, Home Improvement did one like that as well. So, it's, I mean, and then there's even like commercial, there's an Apple commercial one year. Do you remember that? Or they, Oh, yeah. They did. That. So, yeah, I mean, it's enough in the zeitgeist and pop culture for how popular it was. So, you know, he definitely added he had definitely made a mark uh, on the world, so he he will definitely be missed greatly. So kind of moving on from their segue to all the Annie Awards that were given recently as well. What would you yes. want to talk about with those?
1: So the Annie Awards were, were uh presented uh at uh UCLA at the uh, Royce Hall there, just on, on the campus. That, they were hosted by uh, Patrick Warburton. So for those of us in the anim, you know, animation fans, he was the voice of Kronk in the Emperor's New Groove, as well as Buzz Lightyear in the animated oh, yeah. Buzz Lightyear series. If you remember that, I and
0: mean, then he's going to uh, be Odysseus in Mister Pupunate and Sherman. Right, next
1: month, too. and uh, he's just got he's got a great uh, yeah. style. You know, he was hilarious. I don't know if you watched. I watched. Much of the ceremony, they they, uh, they streamed it, and so I you know I watched it on I watched it online. Yeah, I watched but, it last year too. Uh, so so that was that was fun. So the so uh, Frozen won uh, for best animated feature, continuing its domination of of most of these uh, Hollywood uh, award sure. uh, shows going on now. The uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios also received the Best Animated Short Subject with their "Get a Horse" uh, short. One, um, I, I thought. So then, the, you know, this one cool thing about the anime Awards is it's both TV and and uh, features. Yeah, so it's kind of as like well as shorts. Yeah, it's kind of like the Golden Globes directed just yes. for animation. <laughs> yes. So for Best Animated TV Broadcast Production. For a children's audience, they you know have they have these breakdowns. So we've got all the the award listing on our website. Yeah. Uh, but Adventure Time won, so I was I was happy about that. The best general TV audience show was uh, Futurama. So I guess Futurama can go out with a bang. If it never comes back again. <laughs> but
0: and Tron uh, Tron got nominated again. It, it got so.
1: nominated, but it didn't. Yeah. But it, it didn't win. It
0: just, just shows again that Disney should not have canceled it as yeah. fast as they did.
1: Yeah, I agreed.
0: Because it, it was nominated a lot last year, too. And yep, it won a it few awards last yeah, year. Yeah, it did. Too, it so. won
1: some stuff last year. And they even yeah. made Disney Infinity like,
0: stuff for Toronto. Yeah, for, to uh,
1: it's frustrating. <laughs> uh, also, Toy Story of Terror oh, yeah. was a winner for uh, Outstanding Achievement in a... Uh, uh, animated TV broadcast production. It was direct, for directing it, Angus McLean. Yeah, one. So that's cool. He was there.
0: Who you, you got to
1: meet when you went to d Yeah, when I went to D23, I got I, I, I got to meet him. So that was that was pretty cool. But Frozen, you know, dominated in the music categories and and uh, anyway, Monsters University wants some words. Monsters well. University won some 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 uh, uh, outstanding achievement in storyboard in storyboarding. And uh, I thought they won a couple. Yeah, I
0: believe they won an editing.
1: Team. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I was happy that, that Monsters University got some love since it's been kind of shut out from oh, so gosh. much so much stuff. And I thought another th- another cool award was uh, uh, the um, outstanding achievement in character design. Went to uh, Paul Ruddish for his for his Mickey Mouse uh, shorts that they you know that are on the Disney Channel and online. I was happy about that just because those have been I, those have been really uh, fun and interesting and creative, and I real uh, and so I was happy that that got acknowledged. Me as well.
0: Uh, and then uh, I know that voice also went yes. an as well, and I've I'm. Been really looking forward to, to seeing this film. It's on iTunes right now. You can rent or buy it there. I think eventually they're going to put a, a DVD out. I hope they put a Blu Ray out as well. But I I've been really like the minute I heard about that, I really wanted to see it. So I'm glad that that I got some attention there as well, and that
3: because
0: I mean, like like you were saying, because uh, I mean, it's got all, like. It's basically a documentary made for people like us that are interested, in all, in all of all that. So, if if you guys have not seen that yet, I would definitely suggest to check that out on iTunes right now too.
1: Yeah, it's it's. Um, I know that voice. Is the name, is the full name of the documentary right, Mark? Is that? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, so going from the Annie Awards, got some interesting news from Disney. Uh yes. They decided to put into development. A live action slash CG hybrid Chippendale Rescue Rangers
1: movie, right? Which is which is a really interesting uh, idea, and you know it's just one of those where you just keep your fingers crossed and hope it's not going to yeah. go the route of the Smurfs or Garfield. But but uh, a TV commercial director, whose name is Robert Rungan, was the one who who, who pitched it, and and. And uh, Disney picked it up, but he's so he's a TV commercial director who's done ads for Kodak and Nikon and Visa, Um, HBO was what what was listed. It's going to be very interesting. So yeah, so no no real details were were released about it, other than it's going to be a live action slash CG hybrid. So we're you know I think basically assuming that Chip and Dale are going to be. CG characters living in, living in the real world along with Gadget and Monterey Jack and <laughs> all else other. <laughs> and as we had talked about in our article, Mark, you know, it's all about that theme song. So that we hope yeah. that that's going to be. <laughs> and I would, I'm kind of <laughs> clear they
0: just use the original original version of that, and not like re-recorded at all.
1: Just use with Demi Lovato. <laughs> uh, yeah, they'll,
0: so, uh, yeah, they'll have or somebody that's. That's on one of their current Disney channels.
1: Right, one of their Disney Channel people. But,
0: yeah, so. I'm. I'm hoping. I'll be. I'll be interested to see like how the designs of the characters look. Yes. For CG for the film. Uh, and and like who they get to play like Fat Cat. Right. I, I kind of hope for Professor Norton uh, Nimnall that they get Paul Giamatti. Yes. I was posting that. Web. When someone else, yeah, uh, Courtney, who we had on from Media Fondue a few episodes back, was asking who, who I'd like to see play
1: the live-action version of him, and I, I thought of Paul Giamatti first. So. <laughs> yeah, that that works well. Um, it's interesting too that they're taking the uh, Rescue Rangers yeah. iteration of Chippendale, so it's not just Chippendale. It's yeah. so you hope that yeah, it's going to be the character that. That that show had, had some fun stuff. That's a fun idea. Yeah,
0: Disney Afternoon getting some love. Yeah. So maybe we'll get a, a live-action CG hybrid of Darkwing Duck. Or... See? <laughs> exactly. Because ba- Batman's super popular right now, so Darkwing Duck is more or less supposed to be Batman. So, Right. So I, I guess we'll see what happens with that, and we'll have more news from that as as yeah, it becomes available. Yeah. The the next one everyone's excited about, as well as Studio Ghibli, is developing a TV series.
1: Yeah, what's your take on that, Mark?
0: I'm looking forward to it. Uh, It's being directed by uh, Hayao Miyazaki's son, Goro Miyazaki. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's based on Ronia, the robber's daughter, uh, which is a story not just about a girl who grows into adulthood, but is also a story about the love and growth between a parent and child and a story about the bonds between friends. Uh, so my, this is all what uh, Miyazaki had said. Uh, his goal is to create a work that everyone from children to adults will be able to enjoy. So, yeah, it's, it's very Miyazakian, if that's a word to use. So what, what do you think about it?
1: Well, I think it's interesting that they're, that they're doing some TV and... Oh, it's just one of those. I guess we'll 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 see if it's cool. You you think that it, you think given that the studio is involved that it's going to be uh, uh, high quality as well. Just given just given the the name recognition that that, that it has, so uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. Definitely,
0: and I'll talk about this probably on the next episode of the episode 62, but I actually just got to see The Wind Rises recently too, and it was, uh, so my my two favorite films this year out of the movies I've seen for 2014, The Lego Movie and The Wind Rises are my two favorite movies so far this year. Excellent. Yeah, I I really, really enjoyed The Wind Rises, uh, and what I've seen from that, that's got nothing but good.
1: Oh, yeah. So... I can't wait. I can't wait to see that, uh, too. Hopefully it's going to be showing up. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah <laughs> <might> so,
0: <laughs> oh yeah. It comes out February 28th, uh, most places. And then I think it expands more after that. But speaking of the, the Lego movie too, uh, as well, uh, talk a little we'll bit about down. Jessica's review of the Lego movie.
1: Yeah. It's fun. You know, make sure to read Jessica's review on our site and, and, uh, very it was glowing, yes. very very positive, and uh, the movie just made a, a truckload of money, yeah, as, you, sort of as you probably million. saw. Yeah, so which is the second all time opening in the month of February. I think
0: what and, second to the Passion of the Christ. The Passion of the Christ. Yeah. So that's uh, an interesting mix of the Lego movie and the Passion of the Christ.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, it's interesting too because you know Box Office Mojo, they've got. You know, all the, they they have a bit of a, you know, they've got all these numbers and all. They, they know they have a good feel for for, for the stuff. So yeah, so second opening behind the Passion of the Christ, but it was the best ever for a really an original film that wasn't necessarily based on a, that wasn't it was a sequel or a prequel. For example, uh, Doctor Seuss's The Lorax opened. In February, and it got, you know, it had a huge opening weekend with 70.2 million. Uh, so, no, actually, no, that's just saying, though. I'm sorry, my bad. So they're saying that that's just, you know, as a, an original film opening oh, without right. think. However, you wonder Lego isn't necessarily, it's, I mean, it's not an original idea. It's something that everybody yeah, really it's, knows. Well, yeah, it's like a brand. So, but... so, that's like, I kind of wonder about. How they're saying that, but that's neither here, 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 or there. But they're saying, you know, Box Office Mojo was talking about how the success, of the opening weekend success, can be attributed to a handful of factors. You know, it has such an incredibly strong and well recognized brand that 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 people love. Warner Brothers had a really solid advertising campaign, which I which I would agree, uh, particularly all the pop references that sound like they permeate the film, but all, they definitely permeated the ad campaign, which made it really. Really yeah, funny. all
0: like the licensed cameos are very like smartly used. They're, yeah, just like they were in like Wreck It Ralph and uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and then like it appeals to to boys and girls and to adults and kids too. So right, because I mean it has like the kind of no- nostalgia factor for adults. Uh, well, for like I guess like adults our age, because who would have been playing with Legos from the time that they were a kid and then. Now their kids are playing with it. And then there's a bunch of, like, very strong, like, female characters in the movie. And uh, and, and then the fact that uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller are have a really good track record with their yes. films as well, too, with the 21 Jump Street and Claudia with the Chance of Meatballs. And there's a nice little, uh, uh, as Justin mentioned in his review, Uh, There's a nice 21 Jump Street kind of (laughs) cast and crew. A little
1: homage, or a little shout-out. Well,
0: yeah, there's like a little reunion of sorts. Uh, Green Lantern is voiced by Jonah Hill, and uh, Channing Tatum voices Superman, so there's that nice little... (laughs) But yeah, it was very fun. The next time uh, an animated movie is going to be coming out in February is going to be 2016. Uh, Bob. Or no, next February for 2015 is SpongeBob SquarePants Movie 2. And then the year after that with uh, probably the Illumination Entertainment movie Pets in 2016. But that hasn't been confirmed yet, so... Definitely, I would say go check that out. now. And then, there's already a sequel in the works for the Lego Movie 2, which everyone should be excited for. And I'm ex After... Seeing the movie, I'm interested to see uh, what they'll do for a sequel, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about after you you see the movie. But yeah, I, I'm I'm all for another Lego movie, and hopefully uh, Phil Lord and uh, Chris Miller come back to do that one as well.
1: So. Yeah. Agreed. And and
0: all the voice cast, and hopefully, maybe they can get some more licensed characters since. Uh, Warner Brothers, I mean, Dumbledore and Gandalf both appear in the movie, too, because, you know, Warner Brothers has New Line, and then the, all the Harry Potter movies were Warner Brothers, so. Right.
1: They, and they had Lego had, toys, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is. and then they had,
0: uh, what was it, they even had Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles Lego <laughs> in there, too, with Michelangelo, the artist, so that was funny. That right, was but, yeah, I'm hoping they can get some more intellectual property for the, the next one. Maybe they could even work something out with Marvel so you could have, like, the DC characters and the Marvel character Legos kind of working with each other or fighting with each other. That would be kind of funny.
1: That would be funny. Clever, yeah. Yeah,
0: but that's all the Lego news. The The next one is some more updates on Star Wars Rebels
1: TV show. Yeah, so Disney's uh, CEO Bob Iger in his annual letter to shareholders that gets you know, get put online and then you know available to to shareholders of the company. Yeah. Uh, he you know typically you know these letters are just a lot of kind of corporate blah blah blah. But he he mentions some stuff about the Star Wars Rebel series and basically what he's saying is, you know, while well, everybody's really getting excited for Star Wars episode seven, you know, the, the new feature film currently in development, being directed by JJ Abrams. They're also going to be introducing Star Wars Rebels, which we already know to TV audiences. But he's saying that it's going to come, there's going to be a an introduction. There's going to be a TV film coming this summer, yeah. and then a series of shorts that are going to be put on the Disney Channel before the series gets, you know, put on uh, Disney XD. So that was that, that. was news to everybody. And, and and I think the you know basically the word on the street was Star Wars Rebels was coming out in the fall. But it sounds like it's coming out this summer with this with this movie, and then we'll get some of these some cool little shorts and intros. Uh, what's your take on that, Mark?
0: I'm assuming that movie is going to be pretty similar to like what they did with the Clone Wars. That's what I'm thinking too. Movie only. Yeah. That's I guess it's going to be just on TV though. And like what the Clone Wars movie was was more or less a uh, more or less like a pilot for the TV show. So that's all, all I'm betting this is is like maybe. Since it's Especially since it's the same creative guy, uh, yeah, Dave Filoni, who did the Clone Wars, I'm yep. pretty sure it's he's going to be doing the show like an, an arc, like four episode arcs like he did for Clone Wars. So with this, that's probably what it'll be, too, like just that first arc for the show put together as one cohesive thing as a Star Wars Rebels movie to kind of kick off. That's what I was saying. too. It's going
1: to be like three episodes you know, put together or something. And then, and
0: then those shorts will probably be maybe like... I wonder if those shorts, what they're talking about, if those are going to be... If that's actual Star Wars Rebels stuff, or if that's like those... Uh, that quote-unquote bonus content we're supposed to get from Season 6 of The Clone Wars. That's The Clone Wars. Or maybe like they repurposed it somehow to be like a segue from... I don't, I don't know. But... It'll be interesting to see exactly what they do for those shorts, too. And then, along with these, they release all these uh, propaganda posters to join the Imperial forces online. Uh, I saw a, a few websites actually got mail like from Coruscant. Right. I didn't get it, but uh, like Peter Serretta from Slashfilm. From Film. Yeah, got, it got stuff. This, this really cool envelope. It was like a black envelope address from Coruscant, and it had. Like little mini posters of all these, we post them on the site too. It's, they're, they're pretty cool. It's like Ace Pilots needed back the Imperial forces. Yeah,
1: it's a, they're great. It's a great design.
0: Yeah, one of them has uh, that new main character on it, the Inquisitor. The Inquisitor. And then yeah, then all like the stormtroopers and just so yeah, it's yeah. cool to to see it and definitely check those out as well. I mean, I would be, those these would be cool posters
1: to hang up if you're a big Star Wars fan. Oh, absolutely. I I, I completely agree. So, that's exciting news for Where's, where's, for, uh, where's my mail? Of course.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's right. Lost in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> but, Send
1: some stuff to Mark.
0: That's all right. I get enough stuff. So. But uh, the next thing is I'm excited for. You've already seen the entire I've already
1: thing. seen it, and I can't uh, wait for you, to, for you to see it for everybody else, too. Yeah. So, th- this little clip was a
0: nice little tease to watch. To
1: Party Central, next Pixar short.
0: Yeah, it comes out next month with with Muppets Most Wanted on March 21st. And Thank yeah. goodness. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. The 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 little bit that they did show, I think it was like what, like 10 seconds or so. Yeah. But yeah. It sets it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, what they show in the clip is Mike and Sully show up at the Uzma Kappa fraternity house What's with a door and that's kind of where where it ends and like leaves you hanging so yeah i'll be happy to finally see the rest of that next month i've been excited to to see this since austin first told us about this way back when we did our monster's university uh podcast episode so
1: really funny i can't wait for you to see it which
0: i, I was glad that, uh, apparently we were the ones that broke the news for that because of that because he was on the show and he was like just talking to us about it, so I, I, I thought that was cool, Austin. Yeah, so. absolutely. But yeah, he—that was the first film that he actually worked on the the story for, and then the next one will be the good good dinosaur. So, looking forward to both of those. Uh, then the next one is kind of cool. If you live in uh, a few of these states, and that's not playing in Arizona, so I can't see it. But
1: I know I was surprised about that. Stanford can go see it's, it. Since I, it's yeah, I can Utah. go see it. it's playing in Utah. Go figure. I'm grateful. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's playing uh, in Utah, in
1: California. So we're talking about Disney is releasing The Little Mermaid and The Jungle Book, both both of which have been put out on Diamond Edition Blu-ray sets. Within the little, you know, Little Mermaid was last October, and The Jungle Book is February 11th, (laughs) as we discussed, will be is playing on uh, on the big screen. So they're also selling tickets for five dollars each, which is pretty good. So, which is really, yeah, so discounted price and... At Cinemark Theatres. Cinemark, right. So, and only, right now, a listing in seven states, I wonder if they're going to add to that list, but it's...
0: Yeah, because it's uh, California, Illinois, New Mexico, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Texas, and Utah, which is a very random set of states. Random. Like, it doesn't even have New York on there because you just seem like New York City.
1: Yes, exactly. So, I just don't know. Now, Disney did this last year. Yeah. Too. I, I can't remember what the if how many states you know that or how many screens it played it on and I also right. don't remember if it was just for 5 bucks.
0: Yeah, I remember that they were actually playing like the Cinderella one. Yeah,
1: they played Cinderella right and Peter Pan. Yeah. Uh, on, on the big screen. And so I've already checked the Cinemark schedule for the theater, the or you know, one of the theaters in Utah that they listed. It's one of the theaters that I, you know, I go to a lot, pretty close to my house. And uh, so each each movie is having two screenings per day, Friday through Monday, that's next cool. next week, which is cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. All the ones in California seem like they're in the Bay Area too. Oh, interesting. Not even nothing near Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Angeles. <laughs> that's, that's, I don't. know It's weird. <laughs>
1: Go. You wonder. Yeah, I wonder what kind of thought process they use yeah. behind it. If this is a, you know a, a group of people that buys a lot of home video products or something. I don't know. know.
0: Because Bay Area I I can see for, like, you know, like the Walt Disney Family Museum. Sure. But then, like, at least maybe one in Burbank for, you know, the studio that's there. Yeah. But, I don't know. I mean, if it was available, I'd probably try to go see it this week. And my wife's favorite Disney movie is The Little Mermaid. Right.
1: I'm excited to go just because I just like to see on the big screen. Yeah.
0: Anytime I'd get a chance to bring my son to go see these in theater, I would definitely do that. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, I got to bring him to see Cinderella last year in theaters, and I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah, if if you can see these, I would definitely suggest you go. I mean, it is that's a pretty good price, two five bucks per person. It's, it's pretty
1: cheap nowadays. Yep. <laughs> and,
0: and that's matinee or at night, I believe, right? Yeah, I think it's
1: just five five dollars anytime at the end. And mention two. Two screenings of each show per day. I think basically it was one, three, five, and seven. You know, Little Mermaid was at one p.m., Jungle Book at three p.m., Little Mermaid again at five p.m., Jungle Book, or vice versa. You know, but that's what that's what my local theater was doing. And
0: and I would probably just do a double feature of these if you're going to go see it too.
1: Wow. Exactly. That's that's what I that's what I hope to do too. I hope I can. Would
0: you do it in chronological order? Would you see Jungle Book first and then Little Mermaid, <laughs> or would you see Little Mermaid and then Jungle Book?
1: Well, it would be fun to see it in chronological order, but I think it's just going to be a matter of scheduling for okay. me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what, yeah, would you
0: do? what would you do? I don't know. I think for like you said, it would probably I end up having to be what was the easiest. Yeah. To do, but yeah, definitely let us know if you go to that, and I'll retweet you on the the, the main. Yeah, Twitter feed for the podcast
1: I will And I also Just as, as a side note too See I still haven't seen The sing-along version Of Frozen and Oh yeah. A bunch of my friends Want to go So I'm thinking Wouldn't that be something To do a triple feature <laughs> If I can swing that That'd be awesome
0: I'm wondering If that'll be on the Blu-ray Like like a sing-along version of it
1: I wonder too Because right. it
0: wasn't announced But
1: Right I, I wonder that same thing
0: Be uh, interesting Yep See, I don't know if I'd want to pay to go see the movie again, just to, to, to have the sing along
1: thing going on with it. I, I have, yeah, I'm, I've only been to a couple of sing alongs. Disney did a, did the Beauty and the Beast one, and I think I went to. I'm trying to remember. It was, a, it was like one for Greece or something. Okay. It wasn't the Disney Rocky Horror Picture Run. Show. You went dressed up. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and through my toast and all that other stuff you're supposed to do I I, I uh, my one of my friends went to a Sound of Music sing along that they do in Salt Lake like once a year they play at one of the local film societies here and, and she said it's just an absolute blast yeah. you know just cause you just but so I, I it's more it's more curiosity for me I don't know if, I, if I'd be annoyed or if I'd have fun so, I wonder how
0: many people I wonder how many people have accidentally seen Ride Along when they bought the Sing Along <laughs> Frozen <laughs> tickets.
1: Right, they bought them wrong.
0: Someone just heard the Along part and they're like, "Oh, okay, Ride
1: Along." Oh, I'll take that one. And then Kevin Hart shows up, and they're wondering where Anna and Elsa are. It's like, I
0: didn't know Ice Cube was in Frozen. I guess that makes sense though. <laughs> it does.
1: So yeah. much confusion. Yeah.
0: But yeah. So. That that's the news from from Disney, and then to go to a slightly more adult audience, uh, they have announced the the voice cast for Sausage Party, which is more or less the cast of This
1: Is the End. It's a reunion of the This Is the End cast. Yeah, it's uh, uh,
0: Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are, are writing the film's uh, the film. Seth Rogen is also doing a voice of a character in the film. James Franco, Jonah Hill, Michael Cera, David Karmholtz, uh, who you guys may remember as Bernard from the Santa Claus films uh, Nick Kroll Edward Norton which That's out of left field he
1: Yeah out. that one was, was trippy
0: And then uh, Kristen Wiig So she she's the only female apparently invited to the sausage party Yep But uh, the story of the sausage party Follows the forgotten sausage Who accidentally falls out of someone's grocery cart He must then team up with a bunch of other store items As he works towards getting back on the shelf Before the 4th of July sale Seems like a pretty depressing venture fighting so hard to just get bought cooked and eaten. But maybe the subtext of the film revolves around one achieving their main purpose in life. Or it could be just a bunch of sexual windows and F bombs. It's mostly it's most certainly a tragedy that the character list was also revealed as uh this is from Cinema Blend by the way as I'd love to know what kind of items all the actors are going to be if a kumquat doesn't appear for at least one joke. I'll have to rethink everything about my life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. That's why I wanted to click. <laughs>
0: yeah, they'll definitely... They'll be you know, uh, Like, you know, there is uh, puns for food in Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs part two. Yep. There'll be a whole other different kind of uh, puns for whole, adults uh, for yeah. food in Sausage Party. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, so, yeah, Kumquat kind of speaks for itself. But... <laughs> Uh, we'll be back. I'm sure there'll be melon jokes and banana jokes and all sorts of and on like, and on and cherries and. But yeah, so uh, that is our our main news segment for the week. We'll be back in a few seconds with the new trailers that were released. our new trailers for the week, the first one is the the U.S. trailer for Ernest and Celestine, with the the English dub cast for that. And what did you think about the the trailer?
1: Well, it, it looks like it's a it's it's a beautifully done hand drawn film. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with with the source material. I be, I believe it's based on a children's book that's published in Belgium. Which it kind of looks like
0: they just made the 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 book come to life
1: right and and so and then it's gotten rave reviews for because it's played the film festival circuit uh over the last the last few months so uh, i think i think it it yeah it, it looks like it could be something really really unique definitely definitely european definitely storybook and
0: I'm, I'm glad uh like last year and we got three uh what was it stop motion films that were nominated for Oscars this year we got 2 hand drawn films nominated for Oscars so yeah i'm pretty happy about that too because that shows that these forms of of art aren't going anywhere anytime soon right especially if they can be recognized with that achievement of getting an oscar nomination too
1: so right and we put some cool stuff on on our site about it but the the director and producer of the film, uh, who you know live in Europe, they're going to be in Los Angeles yeah. uh, at the at one of the screenings. I think really? it's next weekend. I would and, love to go there if I was close. Oh, I know. That's what I was thinking. That would be so cool just to have, to be able to have. I think they're going to introduce the film one of the screenings, and another one they're doing a Q and A. And so that would really that would be really treat. So check out our site for yeah. for information about that. I believe it's playing at the landmark. Theater maybe, in
0: Los yeah, Angeles. Maybe Jessica can attend that.
1: Yes. That'd be really great if she we'll could. do will make her go to all that stuff. <laughs> all since right. we can't go <laughs>
0: I know. She's Thanks, going to nice uh, an Art of Frozen thing tonight at an Arclight Theater. So it should be interesting to.
1: Oh, excellent.
0: One of the producers of the, the film, I think, is going to be there. And I, I guess she just told me that the, the producer, I remember. Hold on a second i look the.
1: I read about that event. Uh,
0: Lino Di Salvo, favorite. Di Salvo. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So, yeah. Uh, yeah, going back to Ernest and Celestine, the, the voice cast for the U.S. version of the film, well, dub cast, will be Force Whitaker, who does the voice of Ernest. I, I could tell that from the trailer. Yes. Uh, Lauren Vacall, William H. Macy, Nick Offerman. Uh, Mackenzie Foy, Paul Giamatti, Megan Mullally, Jeffrey Wright. And then uh, Mackenzie Foy, <laughs> for, for you Twilight fans, uh, like like my wife, uh, was the little girl who played Renessa May in the the last two or last, two or last Twilight film, you know, with Edward and Bella's daughter. So, yeah, she does the voice of Celestine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so random knowledge for you all
1: trivia important yeah, yeah.
0: but yeah so I, i'm looking forward to seeing ernest and celestein hoping that it opens up around here because it's gonna have you know kind of that like uh launch kind kind of thing where it's la and then la new york new york and then, then other just... markets and then yeah more markets and then depending on how well it does so hopefully it does well uh and I'm glad I kind of live closer to a bigger city now, so hopefully it would come around here. Yeah. would probably just be like the, an art house, maybe.
1: That's what I'm thinking. If it comes to Salt Lake City, it'll just come to an art house. And, and, and you know, we have to pay attention because they're only, they're only often there for a week. Yeah.
0: So I remember last year from up on Poppy Hill was here at like an art house theater for like a week. I wanted yeah. to go see it. Justin didn't want to go see it. So, and I don't want to go by myself. So, I ended up just not seeing it in theaters. But yeah, so the the next one is Postman Pet, the movie, which is a film based off a UK stop motion animated series.
1: It's been running for what? Since like 1981? Yeah. It's and, in different kind of different incarnations, but it's still the same thing, you know?
0: I talked with uh, William Jardine, who, who does the A113 animation podcast and yes. website and I was asking him what he thought about it and he was he was just pretty upset the movie even exists and he was saying like how of people that would watch the show in the UK uh are pretty uh upset like what they did with the movie and just like it hasn't really nothing to do with like the way the tv show was at all I and mean, it seems like it was a super weird premise to even base the film on and then to not yeah. do it in, in stop motion like the TV show was.
1: To yeah. Be. So, yeah, so the, as you'll see, if you watch the preview, it's, it's done. They've created this film in, in CG animation. It's kind of this similar character designs, but it's not, yeah. they don't even attempt to give it a stop motion look. Right. It's just. yeah, like, uh, like,
0: like I mean, Flushed Away, that was done in CG, but it was made to look. Right. Like it the was. The same way as Ardman's
1: animation. And, uh. And then the premise—I just groaned when it turned out that it was going to be, a, you know, a singing competition. just thought, really like a, you know, <laughs> Simon. And then there's like a Simon, Simon Cowbell. Yeah. That's what the character's name is. In the... Yeah. Uh, and again, not being, not having a lot of exposure to this show, I just have wondered what fans of the TV show think of of what they've done with this film. Yeah. But Anyway Yeah so
0: I don't know But uh, The voice cast is decent though at least Yeah
1: Um, they've got some interest yeah
0: There's Steven uh, Mannion who's Most recently in Rush Uh, There's Jim Broadbent From you know Harry Potter films Cloud Atlas Rupert Grant again from Harry Potter David Tennant again from Harry Potter
1: Well and David Tennant Yeah and
0: Doctor Who Yeah, Pirates of Bands Misfits and Uh, He must have done a very small voice in How to Train Your Dragon because I don't ever remember who he did the voice.
1: I was going to ask you that too because he, I I I can't remember what. Yeah, yeah,
0: but more work for for Harry Potter cast the better. (laughs) Especially uh, I I liked I like David Tennant's voice. Oh, absolutely. um, And uh, like when you watch the trailer, you can tell he's doing the voice (laughs) stuff. Yeah, I liked David Tennant as Darwin in the the Pirates Band of Misfits it was titled here in the US it's called Pirates and Adventurous Scientists in the UK in the UK yeah i liked him in that and so i mean if i didn't know anything else about the movie i'd probably just watch it based on like the cast alone but this if this doesn't get released in theaters in the US which it probably won't just cuz it seems like one that would get straight
1: Yeah, I just wonder if it's going to be straight to to DVD in the U.S., but I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah. Uh, Do you remember that that one we talked about Sean Connery? Yes. Like, I haven't heard about that movie since we talked about it. Yeah. Any DVD for it or anything. But, yeah, it's coming out in the U.K. on May 23rd. So if if you're a U.K. listener, definitely send us an email or a tweet or whatever letting us know what you thought about the movie if you go and see it. Or if we should avoid it on Blu-ray and DVD when it comes out in the, the U.S.
1: Right. Or put it on and leave the room so the kids can watch. <laughs> or just listen to the audio so we can listen
0: to the, the sweet uh, uh, voice cast. Yeah. But
1: yeah, so that
0: those are our new trailers for the week. We'll be back to close out the show with our recommendations in a few seconds. back with her recommendations this week uh my recommendation this week is kind of self-promoting for the website but it's uh, jessica worski's interview with uh animation legend nick i'm gonna mispronounce his last name ranieri from who worked on a a ton of disney
1: films you know from let's see from beauty and the beast and the beast to yeah or even before then to uh yeah uh, he he he's animated Lumiere, Aladdin, Hercules. Titans. Yeah, Aladdin, Hercules, um, Pocahontas,
0: yeah, Princess in the Frog. Yeah, yeah he did um, Miko. Princess in the Frog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chicken Little, Treasure Planet, Fantasia 2000. Yeah, he's so character a character Oh yeah, he did Jafar. Um, yeah, and then the Aladdin, uh, Rescuers Down Under, Little Mermaid, Framed Roger Rabbit. He did Roger Rabbit and Framed Roger Rabbit. So, yeah, he's
1: just just a great. One of the great hand-drawn animators.
0: It's a great interview that she she did with him. It was a nice little impromptu informal interview that they did over uh, Facebook Messenger, which was kind of cool. But yeah, definitely check that out. I think it's a great interview, and not just because it's on the site, just because, but because it's he, he's a pretty well-spoken guy. I, I like how down earthy he seems in the interview. Oh,
1: and he is and just, Mark. Could... You know, I think I mentioned you, I had a chance to meet him. It was on an i I, I was on an airplane. Oh, yes. and, I, and I saw him there, and I, you know, so after the fastened seatbelt sign turned off, you know, and you could walk around the cabin, I, I just went up and introduced myself and talked with him briefly because I just, I mean, I didn't want to be a jerk and be in his right. space, but I also didn't want to miss the opportunity. And he couldn't have been he more gracious. He he was so nice, and he just told me all these interesting stories about working on Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and these different things. I just I was eating it up. I loved it so. Uh, Great, great individual and a great artist. Yeah,
0: so yeah, I would say definitely suggest that. All he talks about his thoughts about uh, hand-drawn animation and CG animation, Uh, and then like we were saying, his some of his favorite animated films from the past five to ten years. So I would say definitely check that out, guys. Uh, And what did you want to recommend this week, Um, Stanford?
1: My recommendation this Here's week, Mark, one. is Frozen. <laughs> Please make me stop. Now, this one was I thought actually kind of interesting too, though. So, uh, the Frozen team was on Reddit today on so February tenth. So by the time you'll be reading this, you know it's a couple of days, a couple of days old. But the team meaning directors Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee, also Bobby Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez, the songwriters, were on uh, Reddit doing an AMA and ask me anything. Uh, forum so so uh, we've got a link to it in the in the in the podcast notes but check it out just because it's interesting to read their responses to fan questions and just I just always love getting a background of of the creative process and and what what the you know people what they what they thought about and then they just could, could you know give interesting details about, the production, as well as just the creation of the story. You know, Chris, Buck, and Jennifer Lee were on the phone all the time. They, you know, they were based at the Disney Studios in Burbank. Bobby and Kristen live in New York City. And so much of the, most of the development of Frozen was done over conference calls. And, and, you know, and again, it's just interesting to get get their perspective on, on it all. So, So check that out.
0: I'll have to check that out myself as well. But, yeah, those are our recommendations for the week. Uh, so, guys, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter individually or the show. Uh, myself, I'm at Mark Vibbert, M-A-R-C-V-I-B-B-E-R-T.
1: And I'm at Stanford Clark.
0: Or you guys can follow the show at Animated Podcast. And also feel free to email us at Animation at animationfascinationpodcast.gmail.com. Visit our site where you can find all the, the written form of this news at animationfascination.wordpress.com. You can also like us on Facebook and join the over 700 people that have already done that just by searching for Animation Fascination. So I'm Mark River. For myself, Stanford Clark, thank you uh, for listening, and make sure to tune in again next time, guys. Thanks. Talk to
1: all you right. later. Right. Bye, sir. See ya. bye.
2: This is real music. Dark, brooding, important, groundbreaking. Check out the lyrics. Darkness. No parents.
1: Continue darkness. More darkness, get it? The opposite of light. Black hole.
2: Get it that's just the first verse darkness no parents
0: super rich Kinda makes it better. Right, yeah so i hope hope you all enjoy vo- void <laughs>